standard issue for all women. Hello and welcome to one of the two episodes of Sunday Chops we are spoiling you with this week. In this episode, as part of our series celebrating LGBT History Month, we grab some time with comedian, actress and all-round gem Rosie Jones to talk about LGBT voices in comedy, about dating as a disabled person and about what it was like to actually have a good year in 2018. God, can you imagine? If you've not yet listened to the rest of this series, get that done too. In part one, comedians Kate McCabe and Deborah Jane Appleby talk representation for LGBT women in popular culture. In part two, I spoke to Olivia Potter-Hughes of the NUS-USI about the battle for marriage equality in Northern Ireland. And coming up next week, Jen chats to Sarah Trainer, the professional club's equality officer at Kick It Out. And finally, in our other chops today, Mick talks to Instagram guru Sarah Tasker about her debut book, Hashtag Authentic, which looks at how women can use Instagram and other platforms to positive effect. Yeah, you can. Until next week. Oh, hey, Birmingham. Get you looking all capital of the Midlands. And we will be in you on March the 24th for a cracking event at the Town Hall as part of Podfest Birmingham, where we're joined by Jess Phillips MP. Beverly Knight and the boss, Sarah Millican. More info and indeed tickets can be found at sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue. But you better be sharpish as they are selling damn fast. Hello, we are joined in the studio by the excellent comedian Rosie Jones. Thank you for being here, Rosie. Thank you. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Also here, here Mick and... Jen. Jen. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, Jen. One of the reasons it's great to have you in here is last year was just terrible for most of the world. Yeah. You, Rosie Jones, were someone who had a great 2018. Yeah, it's it's I had a lovely time. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Your first Edinburgh show. Yeah. You were in a BBC drama. You were, yeah. in, you were in Silent Witness. Yeah. And you came out. Yeah. It's a law of three. But I mean, there's a lot of pressure now for 2019. I need to do something really big. (laughs) This is when you mentioned the Doc Martins, mate. That's it. So, I was saying before, I'm on a mission to be big enough so that Doc Martin sponsor me because I love them. And at the moment, I'm spending all my money on shoes. It's not good. So, Dr. Martin, if you're listening. Hello. <laughs> How could you not go for that? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Let's start with Silent Witness. Is is acting a thing that you're gonna ca- you're gonna carry on with? Yeah, I mean it's it's a bit funny because before Silent Witness, I hadn't acted really since school. I did A level drama, and I nearly went to drama school. But really, in 2008, I thought about it and I thought, success 
in inverted commas for me in acting would always be playing the disabled victim mm-hmm. or the angelic creature. So I made a conscious decision to study English at uni with the hope that I could become a writer and write my own meaty three-dimensional characters that I could play. So actually, my 18-year-old grand dreams are now coming true and it means that I can write and act and really do everything. That's interesting that you touch on that. How do you feel about the representation of disabled people on television? Like I said, yeah, in 2008, it was really backward and you would rarely see a disabled person on screen. But actually, 2012, the London Paralympics was a real turning point for disability and people started to realise that disabled people aren't the victims. Mm. So since then, we've had more disabled people in the media, but here's the downside. When you think about the fact that one in five people in the UK have a disability, that is not nearly represented in the media. So we've come a long way, but there's a long way to go. But don't worry... (laughs) I'm on a mission. <laughs> Leave it to me. And also, actually, are you saying that you're not an angelic creature, Rosie? Oh, no. I'm a prick. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because Rosie has smiled more times in this interview than I think I've smiled this week, at really? least. At least, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, people say, oh, you're always happy. I am, because right now it's my job to make people laugh, to chat, and just to be myself. So that's Dream job. Yeah. Also, we've got tea. Yeah. Yeah. We're living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) So talking about representation of disabled people in the media, that sort of links into, I wanted to ask you about your LGBT icons. Uh, There's one person in that intersection there, which is Liz Carr. Yeah, I now think growing up, she was the only person out there who 
Shad and disabled and gay and that's amazing. But I'll be honest with you, I'm 28 now and coming out for myself has been a long journey because of my disability and because growing up apart from this, there was nobody that I could look at and think, I'm like them. Mm-hmm. I honestly spent my teenage years going, I'm not gay, I'm disabled. <laughs> like, that's my thing. Like, they're mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think... Looking back now, I always knew. I remember looking at a girl in my class and thinking, why do I want to kiss you like boys kiss girls? And actually, I was four years old. So I always had those... Thoughts, but I popped it to the back of my head because I love my disability and I wouldn't change it for the world. But actually, being a young disabled person takes up a lot of your thoughts. And I think when I was 16, 17, I was mainly worried about what job I could do, whether I could live independently, how my disability would affect my whole life. Mm -hmm. So in the grand scheme of things, who I wanted to have sex with really went to the bottom of the pile. And it was only when I was 25 that I was in a job I loved. I had great friends. I was happy in London. And then I sat back and I thought, right, I'm ready to deal with that look in my head that I kept hidden for... 20 years, I'm ready to go, right, let's accept all of me. That's incredible. And it's it's finding that mental space. Yeah. Can I say, I think you do it the right way around to most people. You use up too much mental space trying to get in bed with people instead of getting shit done. Yeah. But you did it the right way around. Yeah, I- I've always been very ambitious. Like I said, as an 18-year-old, I was mature enough 
to go right and do in English, not drama, so I can make more of a difference. So because that took up all my time, I thought everything else will come later. Yeah. Yeah. When we chatted to Jem Turner, she was saying that to do with relationships and her disability, one of the things, and again, it's a representation thing, is you just never see disabled people having relationships in pop culture. That's it. You don't see them having happy, long-term boyfriends, girlfriends, and then I also think there's this stigma around disabled sex and Mm. how they have sex and who what they do and I think certainly when I was younger people would say to me yeah can you have sex (laughs) and they say (laughs) (laughs) You got what you forgot. And just for the listeners, Rosie looks delighted. (laughs) (laughs) So that's interesting, but then I just think, for me especially, being disabled and not having control of everything that I want to do with my body does mean that I am perhaps a little pickier with my partner because I need to find someone who will understand that maybe they need to be away round certain things. Yeah. Nice. That leads quite neatly onto something I wanted to ask you, actually. You've been on the podcast Date My Mate with the awesome Annika Harry. Yeah. So you're clearly looking for a partner. Yeah. What, may I ask what your experience of dating has been like? Not very good. <laughs> because I can't say this without being down on myself. I'm not at all. I'm confident in who I am. Mm -hmm. And I've got a lot of friends, so I know I'm not an awful person. (laughs) But I sometimes think it's a bit harder for somebody to see me, a disabled person, in a sexual sense, because I, my wobble isn't sexy, my voice doesn't lend itself to dirty talk. <laughs> um, so really, I think a lot of my dating experience as I've been too extremes okay. I've like don't see me in a sexual light and they just want to be my friend 
Some people have this overwhelming desire to, to mother someone, don't yeah. they? So I suppose yeah. it would appeal as well to that nature in someone, yeah. someone yeah. Who, who sees you and thinks that's a project. That's it. You yeah. don't ever want to be a yeah. project, do and, you? Um, I don't think this is about my disability at all. This is about comedians in general but I've had it where people check me up after the gigs and that is a bit funny because I think they're more attracted to the idea of me mm-hmm. and, and they, like, I think they're overwhelmed by the fact I've just been on a stage. Yeah, yeah I, I, I used to do stand-up yeah. and, and I smoke. So I would be yeah. outside having a, a cigarette after a gig and there's something about a woman who was in her 30s who was confident enough yeah. to do that. Yeah. Absolute catnip to, like, 18 yeah. and 19-year-old yeah. boys. Yeah. And I'd be like... Where were you when yeah. I was 18 yeah. and 19? This is insane. So interesting because it is that confidence mm. and that humour. But then, again, that's another warning sign because for me, I'm like, oh, I'm not that rosy for most of the time I'm the rosy who sits in the pants all night watching Netflix eating chocolate you really are living the dream (laughs) it's my dream as well (laughs) on the kind of representation side of things if you're talking about dating things like the undateables is that like a help or a hindrance Say, I was having this conversation the other night and I think one undateables first came out, it was during that Paralympic mm. like celebration of 
Hey, guess what, people? Disabled people can date. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> and I think at the time it was what we needed, but it's still on now. Is it a bit exploitative? I think so, mm-hmm. in a way that we needed it at the time. But now we moved on so much. I'd rather just see a disabled person on first date. You know, it doesn't need to be its own special show anymore. What? No, stay in your box. (laughs) (laughs) I want to. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that sounds perfectly reasonable. Obviously, LGBT community in comedy is absolutely thriving. When we were an online magazine, we actually had a disproportionately high number of lesbians to the population. Drowning in lesbians. Sometimes you'd be like, who can we get to write this? Yeah, yeah, you'd be like, have we got a straight woman who writes for us? So many great female lesbian comedians. Obviously, Susan Cowman, Zoe Lyons, Jen Brister. That's got to be a really positive thing, yeah. Oh, completely positive. And actually, I'm so excited about where comedy is at the moment because I think audiences are craving new, different, exciting voices, they're out there. And I think most of us are a bit fed up of the white, middle-class, straight man. So now it's us, we're rising up and we're going... Here's a new angle to comedy, and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, what if I just want to hear a young white man in a T-shirt observing <laughs> oh, things? Oh, that's oh. so boring. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you going back to Edinburgh this year? Yes, so I am. Tell us about that. So, I think... My show last year was about how I see the world. This year I'm more exploring how the world sees me Mm -hmm. because I'm in quite an interesting point in my life where all my... All my life up until then, up until now, I've been patronised, talked down to, and just really seen as not very clever. But now, because I'm doing well in comedy, 
for the first time I meeting people and immediately they know that I'm intelligent and they come at you free today and there wasn't this awkward oh, what she's saying mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, it's Rosie. <laughs> she talks like that, it's fine. But then at the same time, I still get patronised by some people and it's so jarring. It's so jarring to do a gig and kill it and have 300 people adoring me and thinking I'm amazing and then leaving the venue and having two boys follow me and laugh at me down the street, so it's that thing of we're moving forward and it's amazing, but there are still awful people out there. Yeah, yeah. still loads of cunts out there, yes, Rosie, unfortunately. Yeah. I just need to make that funny. <laughs> <laughs> because of that, Do you feel a weight of responsibility? No, because I think I make it clear that I don't speak for disabled people. Mm I speak for myself, for my own experiences. And I think if disabled people see me and they go, oh, yeah, me too, thank you, that's amazing, great. But then I never want them to feel like I'm speaking on behalf of them because it's just me and my life. Does the Edinburgh show have a name yet? Yeah, Backward. Because the idea that people think I'm backward, but they're, they're backward. Yes. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. So where can people find out more? Where are you on social media? Uh, I am at Josie Rones. So I just what the J and the R. Lovely spoonerism. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. No one gets it. They're like, hello, Josie. Oh, yeah, I suppose Josie Thank you so much for coming in, Rosie. Thank you. Have had a great time. Standard issue for all women.